It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here in Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And right now, I'm out here in our barn, pumping water for all of our ducks and geese. You know, when you have waterfowl, you spend a lot of time dealing with water. And that goes double when you're like us, and you don't have a pond or a lake or some other body of water. On our farm here, we have uh, what's known as a farmstead. It's not at the type of scale where we can derive our sole income from it, but it tries to turn a profit. I know I'm not alone. I know that there's a community out there, a community of people who are working day jobs, working hard to establish their farms. I've really cherished making connections and friends of people who've been doing that. I think I've said this on previous podcasts. In fact, I'm finding one of the best parts about this podcast is that I get to step back and have an intentional conversation with somebody who is either doing what I want to do or doing something very similar to what I'm doing right now. And there's been just a lot of great lessons for me in that experience. Today's episode is, is really all about a conversation I had with my friend Jason Smith. You guys know Jason Smith, right? He's AKA the dancing farmer. He has his own podcast. He does his own YouTube videos all under the name of a uh, Cog Hill farm. And, uh, Jason's just a fun guy, just a clever guy, really creative, really funny. And, and he, he is one of those people who, who definitely marches to the beat of his own drum and is very committed to doing things that are the right way for him, even if it's not necessarily the right way for everybody else. So yeah, Jason Smith's a great guy and I had a great conversation. So, uh, give it a listen. It started out as a hobby farm, and let's say we got chickens, and then the chickens were for us because it was more of a homestead instead of a business, and then chickens grew into ducks, and then ducks grew into uh, uh, goats, and then goats grew into, uh, we got horses at one time, um, so then it just kind of just kept evolving, 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 evolving. And then what happened was is, is we saw an opportunity to start raising meat chickens for profit. And so we were, were throwing that around and then a friend of my wife's actually was doing it in a city about two hours away and was doing it in their front yard and were selling to high-end restaurants. And so we went over to her place to see her set up and seriously, she had three Joel Salatin tractors in her front yard in a very urban area. <laughs> so it wasn't, like, it wasn't like in the country at all. And we were like, you know what? I think we can do this. This, this looks very simple. And so we got back, we started looking at equipment and 
we decided to make the investment, get the equipment. We, well, first we sent out an email and messages to a bunch of our friends. Uh, a lot of people we thought were foodies in our area. And we're like, look, we're thinking about doing this. Would you pay, you know, would you pay this much money for a, a chicken? Because we're doing it at $4.25 a pound. So would you pay that much money for a meat chicken? And we sold 25 you know our first order and we were like hey if we can do this every eight weeks then you know the equipment to pay for itself in a year so yeah so and that's 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 what we did and that's when the business part started evolving and the hobby part started going you know down and then we're looking more how we can make money instead of how we can spend money on the farm and that's kind of how it happened. And then the then what was really awesome that what happened was is is after we did that, we have been doing it for about uh, three four months. The girl that we went and visited called my wife and said, "Hey, look, have y'all bought any equipment yet? Me and my husband are getting a divorce, and we're not doing it anymore." Of course, we've already bought the equipment. And so we were like, you know, well, we talked to her, talked to her. So then what we did was is, is we contacted her clients. And that's how we got the caterer, food truck, and restaurant that we got now. And we no longer sell to the public. When you started your hobby farm, was that always your plan? Like, why did you start, start a hobby farm to begin with? We actually lived in the city. And I say city, we're... we're we're, we actually live in Valley Grand, Alabama, which is about 15 minutes, and the next biggest city is Selma, Alabama. Selma is about 20,000 people, so that's the biggest city. But that's where we lived. We lived in town, in Selma, and then crazy story is we, we started wanting to move out of the country, out into the country, into the Valley Grand area, which is a big rural area. And so we're looking for land. And... We've been looking for a few months. My mom calls me and says, hey, I think I have some land that I didn't know I owned. And we're like, that's crazy. How do you have land that you didn't know you owned? And so what had happened was is, is my grandmother had passed away. And there's an old family cemetery that dates back to the 1700s. And it's actually behind my house. And so... Mom, when my grandma passed away, she never got any paperwork. She never got any paperwork on any land or anything. So she just assumed that the state got it. And so, but what had happened was is, is five acres. And so the cemetery is like a, a third of an acre. So my grandmother had turned the whole five acres into a cemetery because you don't pay taxes on a cemetery. And so there was never any paperwork. So it was five acres of land and so that is how we got our property. We had to go back and change it back to, because you can't build on the cemetery. So we had to have the survey done and get it all fixed. But that's how we got our property. So then we moved from the city to the country. And we've been living there for, I don't know, maybe a, a year. And then we decided to get chickens. And our first chickens we got were Bantam chickens. And this was probably 14 years ago. And we got Bantam chickens because we didn't want big chickens. And it just it just grew from there. It just, it just, you know how it is. You get a chicken, then you got 30 chickens. And then with ducks, and you got 30 ducks, and it just keeps growing. 
but that's how it and that's how we got it that's why i said it's just evolved over a 14 year span to what it is now over that time period i mean you didn't grow up in in like an agricultural household so so like you've learned everything kind of along the way yes everybody in my entire family uncles my dad brother cousins everybody's an electrician but me i'm not an electrician <laughs> so yeah that, that that's that's it and and plus too i you know a lot of people think that the farm is my full-time job but it's not you know i still work a regular 7:30 to 5:30 full-time job monday through friday and the farm you know is what i like to do and hopefully one day hopefully one day the farm will be my full-time job I know that feeling, man. I'm, I'm kind of in the same place. <laughs> where, where that's, I mean, it's that tough thing where it's like, you know, you're, you're running around, crack of dawn to do chores, get the animals set for the day, <laughs> trying to juggle like orders and filling orders while you're doing your day job, and then ultimately coming home at night trying to get stuff done and then all the project work on the weekend, right? Like that's... That's, that's exactly right. And, you know, as being a, a YouTuber, you know, I get hit all the time. You know, why don't you make more videos? Why don't you make more videos? Or why don't you do more podcasts? I'm like, you don't have a clue <laughs> how hard it is to get two videos out a week and one podcast, let alone four or five. Cause I do everything on the weekend. How do you how do you balance it all? Like how do you manage your time in a way that you're able to cover that much ground? Because I mean that's a lot. It is a lot. Um, it's it's tough. I, and I tell you, like I get up early in the morning, and then I found too, it, getting up early is big. It really is. If I can get up at five and I can do an hour and a half worth of stuff from five to six thirty before I go to work. Man, that helps a ton. So that's one thing that I do. Then, then I go to work, and then when I'm at work, on my lunch break, I'll edit YouTube videos on my lunch break. And then, then I get off, and then I come straight home. We, we usually eat dinner, and then we'll do the evening chores. Plus, my wife doesn't work. She's here. She's a, you know, she's here all the time. So she does a lot of stuff too. And so that helps out a lot as well. But I get home, I do the evening chores, then then she'll go to bed, and usually I'll just hang out in my studio office till 11, 11.30, editing videos or doing podcasts or making an Instagram video or whatever. And then it starts all back over again the next day. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm usually up around five ish or so and leaving it off to go to work around seven, and and kind of that time in between is usually my time to get kind of stuff, the basic stuff done around the farm, and uh, yeah, like I'll shoot a video at night or um, edit videos at night, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much the same thing, and then yeah, the weekends become jam packed and just trying to like if I have to build new chicken tractors or mow or mulch or whatever i'm working on with like our orchard it's it's all that all of that type of stuff happens on the weekend and then at the same time if you want to shoot a video of that say if it is building a chicken tractor it takes three times longer to build that chicken tractor because you're shooting a video <laughs> well, well, well tell me so 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 given that complicating factor what motivates you to to make all the content that you make i love doing it i just i really do i mean it's just my 
I'm real, my, I guess I'm super creative and my mind just doesn't stop. It just is constantly going. And the whole time I'm thinking, you know, just, I don't know, it's just, it's just, just nonstop. I also feel that like it's, there's something about being able to tell a story with somebody and, and get them hooked into sort of what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're doing it that, yeah, it just, it gives you kind of a charge and it energizes you to get through some of the things that are, you know, less glamorous and less glorious in terms of work around the farm. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yep. And especially if you're, it, I don't know, I'm, I'm artistic on one hand. You can see the paintings behind us. So I don't paint anymore. I don't draw anymore. So that's like my outlet. So, so tell me the story of as you got your first chickens and you were going through that process of learning how to take care of them. <laughs> Our what, first chickens. Were, yeah. What, what were they like? They were Bantam chickens and we got Bantam chickens because we were scared we couldn't do big chickens. And the other thing was, is we thought if we got Bantam chickens, then we probably wouldn't get chicken snakes. <laughs> that was our biggest fear, was chicken snakes. We were just scared to death of chicken snakes. And I remember what's a, what's, a chi what's a chicken snake? I, I don't know. Maybe that's a, a southern thing. A rat, a rat snake. I oh, guess okay. Same yeah. snake. Same thing. Okay. Same thing. Um, so our first coop, I remember I bought hardware cloth. It wasn't no, ch no chicken wire at all. And you know, I just made it just foolproof, and we and we wanted the the pretty cute chickens. We didn't care about eggs, you know. It was just we we're gonna raise. I think we had two sea brights, golden sea brights. Then we got a couple of silkies, and then we got two frizzles. That was that was our first chickens. And of course, we got a chicken snake or a rat snake. <laughs> And yeah, that, that freaked us out. Now, you know, don't freak us out anymore. But then it really, really, really freaked us out pretty, pretty, pretty good. And then, and then actually what happened was, is, is they started having chicks and I, and I can't, goats were next. We got goats next and we got pet goats. Um, and that's how we got, that, that's how we got into goats. We got, we got pet goats. We got... Just, just brush goats. Nothing. Just, just a mutt, basically. And then we started going to these auctions, and then we bought a male Nubian goat that was a buckling, who's a little baby, and that was our. Um, he, he was our baby. His name was Earl. I don't know if you heard the podcast about Earl or not that I did. Oh, I was about a year ago, I guess. But Earl was a male Nubian goat that we got. And we, he was bottle fed. Plus, Nubians are friendly, anyways. And he was a weather, and he was bottle fed, and he was a Nubian, so he was like a dog. And so, there was a goat show going at a state fair, and we we're like, you know what? We'll take Earl to the goat show. And we drove a like a old eighty model Land Cruiser. So we had Earl in the back of the Land Cruiser, window rolled down. He's hanging his head out the window. You know, those big ears are flopping. We roll up at the state fair, and I tell you no lie. There were, there were trailers there that had, you know, wraps of their farm and airbrush and, you know, $100,000 trailers there. And we were like, holy cow. And we're rolling up in our 80 model Toyota 4Runner with a goat in the back seat. 
<laughs> and we're like, we're, what are we doing? We're, we're gonna get laughed out of here. Swear, I swear, Earl won first place in the goat show. <laughs> and those people were furious. Uh, they were absolutely, these were hardcore goat people. And they were just furious. But uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, it was very comical. Very, very, very comical for us to roll up in there and, and these, I don't know, it was like 30 goats. <laughs> and he went first place in his class. <laughs> But we had Earl. Earl ended up getting sick, um, and like we didn't know. We, we were, we, it was, you know, we just didn't know that we were supposed to be giving him um, what's it called, ammonium nitrate. I think that's what it's called for the goats, because the males, all of them get kidney stones, but the male goats, you know, their their track is curved like an S, and a female's is straight. So when when a female urinates, she can pass the kidney stones, but they get stuck in the males. And so that's what had happened to him. It got stuck and we rushed him to the vet and it was nothing they can do for it. And then when Earl passed away, that kinda, we were, we were kinda on the decline with goats. And then we had our daughter. She cared nothing about goats. And she was all about horses. So we sold the goats and bought horses. Actually bought two horses. So, and so, you know, as you go from like a transition like that, you know, and you have something sad where you like lose an animal, you know, for, for people who haven't experienced that before, what's that like? It's tough. It's really tough. Um, and especially, I always tell people that, you know, if you follow my channel, you know, it's always happy, 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 happy. And I don't usually post anything sad at all, but I talk about it on my podcast a lot, but you know. You, you don't ever become numb to it because, you know, we're going to have things that die. We just have, you just, just it's going to happen. And it, it's something, you know, like Earl was really tough. Earl was tough. Earl, Earl was pretty, pretty darn tough. And, and we took him to the University of uh, Tuskegee Vet, which was a two-hour drive. And that was a long two hours back. It really was. It really, really was. Um... Plus, two raising a child on the farm with with the animals, you know. Um, luckily, luckily for us, we've taught her from day one the difference between you know food and pets, and so she has no issues with that at all. But when a pet does pass away, you know, she's got a favorite chicken or a favorite duck. It's it's tough sometimes. It's tough. It really is. And I, I guess a lot of people don't experience that like we do. Yeah, no, I mean, th that's one of those things where, you know, you think about farms, right? They are such centers of life where you constantly have new animals being born, things growing and coming. But with that life, there's also this flip side of death that, that comes with it, too, that you got to kind of be ready for and be, be able to handle and deal with. Yeah, because, yeah, because you, and a lot of times it happens when you're not ready for it. Um, I mean, we, we, we had a goat that that's one of our new ones, and it was a baby goat. And, um, you know, people picked her name, and, you know, one day we went out there, and, you know, she was gone. And that really, 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 really caught us off, you know, caught us off guard big time. So, yeah. With, with your farm, you know, you're, you're in what a lot of people would classify as kind of the farmstead, right, where you're not earning your sole income from the farm, but you are a business. You're not just a hobby farm or a homestead. 
talk to me about what it's like to run something like that, an operation like that. How are you thinking about the business side of things? It, you know, it's kind of hard to do to transition from the two. It, it really is. And, you know, to me, the, the hardest part was, and still is, is the books. You know, keeping up with your income, income going in, income going out, um, setting up an LLC because we're LLC now, and and we do all that ourselves. You know, I went to was it LegalZoom.com, one of those places, and I set my own LLC up. And then of course you got in the back of your mind: Did you do it right? Is it wrong? Um, and then the books. You know, that's it's 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 uh, it's time consuming. You're worried that you're not doing something right. Um, to me, that's the biggest issue more than anything is, is keeping up with the books more than anything. And maybe eventually we may have to pay somebody to do that. I, mean, I hope not, but right now we're not. But it's, um, to me, that's, that's, that's the biggest trans transition between the hobby and the business side is just keeping up with everything. Because, you know, you're used to going to tractor supply, and if you need a feeder, you just buy a feeder and you throw the receipt away but you know now we're trying to you know keep the receipts you know <laughs> you know just keep everything keep it all right and, and 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 sort of how you balance that income with expenses and you know <laughs> recognize how how your income ultimately gets taxed and so kind of being able to leverage that purchase i mean there's a lot of things that you have to consider and think about when you're when you're running it as a business it is a lot it really really is and especially when you got different incomes coming in too because you know i mean we got we got our youtube money we got our t-shirt money i got I, I get ads ran on the podcast so i got that um and then i got the income of the we're doing meat rabbits now and we're doing meat chickens and so yeah it's um it's it gets crazy really really crazy Especially when you're not an accountant. <laughs> so, so where are you trying to go with your farm? Like, what what do you hope to accomplish with it ultimately? Um, I would like to grow. Um, our goal now is is to find more land. I got when we we got five acres here, and then I bought two acres in front of my property, and that's how I get into my property because it was landlocked otherwise. And my property is a lot of woods and it's and it's shaped like a bowl it's, it's way up on the hill and it starts and it comes down and it goes back up a hill um it's a lot of wetness and especially the bottom of it it's, it's really really wet down there so i got a ton of challenges with my property um so we would we would like to expand i think the market's there in my area to in this area to expand and right now i don't have the land to expand but i, I think that there's some couple of other high-end restaurants and catering services that um, I think I could sell the chickens and the rabbits to, especially rabbits. People are not doing rabbits, and they want rabbits. And two rabbits are not rabbits are not um, regulated by the USDA either. Well, well, it's, it's interesting to say that because one of the things I'm struggling with right now. So, so we're raising uh, geese for meat. Ah, okay. And we're struggling to find a processor right now. I completely understand. We have a whole bunch of clients who could who'd want to potentially buy stuff, but they're in Massachusetts, so it's across state lines from where we are here in Vermont. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Right. So so then it's then it's a matter of saying, well then 
if I need to do that, then I need to be USD inspected. But, you know, most USD inspected uh, poultry operations aren't interested in waterfowl or doing anything with waterfowl. And so it's it's sort of this conundrum we're in right now as we're trying to, to do this goat or sorry, the, the geese thing. So. so we did, we tried pigs and we were going to raise American guinea hogs and we had clients lined up and we, we had a USDA inspected facility and it was three hours one way. So it was a six hour drive going there and back. And that was the closest one and they shut down. And so, yeah, so, and then the next closest one was four hours away. So that was an eight hour drive. So you're talking, you know, how much money you're going to make off these pigs to justify eight hours nonstop one day, you know, that, it, so yeah, I completely understand that. And plus two, I understand why they don't want to do waterfowl either because we tried meat ducks. <laughs> um, we were so excited about meat ducks. We were talking to a meat duck farm. They were telling us, oh, it's easy. And I was like, if it's easy, that's what I'm telling myself. Everybody would be doing meat ducks like they do meat chickens. And it's not easy at all. Oh, completely. So, so we, we do ducks for mostly eggs here, but you know, you have to do something with the males. And so we process them as, as meat and, uh, yeah, nah, those feathers are tough, man. They are tough. I mean, I got, I got, I got featherman equipment, and so I got, I got nice equipment, and I thought myself, it'll take it off. It's gonna take the feathers off. We're gonna, we're gonna, we, we put the date down when they're gonna be in molt. They're gonna be molting. That featherman equipment, it's gonna take it off. It's not gonna get all of it off. It won't be that big a deal. And it's like 45 minutes, and we're still on one duck. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And I had them sold to a restaurant. Oh, geez. So, yeah, you really want a nice, clean carcass and oh, all that good stuff. Oh, my gracious. You should have seen them. <laughs> you should have seen them. We basically gave them to them, and they turned it into stock. <laughs> you, you know, so, so that, that's been the thing. I mean, as I'm thinking about it now, one of the things I'm looking at is, do I get into, like, making duck sausage where I can just skin them and, and go that route? But that's one of those things with like when you're trying to start a farm operation, there's all these like little things that you don't think through with your plan that then become the thing that derails you. So so I know you're, you know, pretty connected to a lot of folks who, who are focused on homesteading and you got your start just as a homesteader yourself. What do you think it is that that's drawing so many people to, to live that kind of lifestyle? That's a good question. Um... I don't know. I wonder if it's just a cool thing to do now. Yeah, that, that's what it seems like to me. Um, it's just just kind of the cool thing to do, uh, and which is awesome. I think you know, and two, I think people can see that the opportunity is there to actually make some income doing this now um, because it is the cool thing to do. You know, people are willing to pay four twenty-five a pound for pasture poultry, or you know, 10 bucks for homemade goat soap or, you know, that kind of thing or, or duck eggs. I don't know what you get for a dozen of duck eggs, but you know, we're getting four or $5 for a dozen of chicken eggs. So I'm sure duck eggs are probably somewhere in there too, I assume. When you can go to the grocery store and here, you know, somebody I sell eggs to, when we went on vacation last week, they were like, you know, we had to go to the store and we bought eggs and they were 99 cents <laughs> for a dozen eggs. And I, don't, I have no idea how uh, industrial egg business even makes it at 99 cents. I have no clue. 
No, it's 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 amazing how when you when you look at the cost that it takes to produce good food, and the inputs that it requires, the work that it requires, and then you see some of that stuff that that's being sold at like a grocery store at such a crazy low price. It it just it doesn't make sense, and, and there it feels like there has to be some sort of hidden cost. Something because even I mean. Those styrofoam egg cartons are what I mean. If you bought a thousand of them, you're still gonna pay like a dollar, a dollar a piece for them. I, I, and that's a generic one without your name on it. So I mean, I, it's just it blows my mind. Yeah, no, definitely. So as you kind of think about your long-term plans and kind of keep building and going, like um, what's what's the thing that that you know, really excites you and gets you up at five o'clock in the morning and gets you ready to go to kind of take on those chores and do all the work. And I, I get, I do get asked this a lot. You know, the main, the only way I can tell people is, is, is you gotta love it. You know, it's just something inside you. If you don't have that, you're not gonna, it's gonna be like going to your nine to five or eight to five job that you hate going to every morning. So it, it's, it's that's the only way I can explain it is 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 you have to love it. It's just something inside you that you enjoy doing this. I mean, you just you just I just love it. I mean, that's just all it is to it. I mean, there's no no other way for me to explain that. yeah, that was my conversation with Jason. Hope you guys got something out of it. I know I did. I mean, it felt really good talking to a guy who also works a day job and also is trying to start a farm and also is doing a podcast and also is doing YouTube content. It's just, it's funny to see all those parallels and compare stories. When I set out to, to start this podcast, my goal was to try to document the stories of a lot of people who are out there you know, whether they're trying to escape the rat race or trying to grow their own food for their family or try to make a living by growing food for others, you know, really trying to find those people, document their story, give them a platform to tell that story. And, and it's just been a lot of fun so far. And I hope you guys are enjoying it, too. If you're getting a lot out of this podcast, um, you know, I really do only have uh, two things I'm going to ask of you. Number one, if you haven't already, be sure to rate and review the podcast it's been helping us grow. You know, we've you know been growing in leaps and bounds lately, and it's been it's been kind of cool to see. And I think it's mostly attributable to you guys, the audience, and the efforts that you've been going through to promote this, to share it with your friends. And I just want to say thank you, and I really appreciate that. And so, if you could, the two things I would ask are continue to write those reviews and give those ratings, as well as just continue to share this with your friends and family. You know, the more and more we all connect as a community, the more and more we all start talking about the challenges of trying to pursue this type of life, as well as the joys of trying to pursue this type of life, I think the better and better this world's going to be. So I want to thank you guys for, for doing that already and encourage you to continue doing that. And that's it. That's what I got for this episode. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I will be back again real soon with another story of somebody who's either homesteading, farming, or, or just chasing their dreams, really. And I'll let you guys go as you listen to the sweet, soulful sounds of my buddy Keith Pierce as he plays our theme song. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields. Under the stars 
city life yet had its charms But we would dream of the fields under the stars I fall asleep inside its arms The love is here at Gold Shop Farms The love is here at Gold Shop Farms